Welcome. You're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. I am your host, John Marchalero, and this week my guest is Charlotte Henry. Charlotte, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me back. For the listeners, Charlotte is a London-based technical journalist, a great one, a self-described media junkie, along with me, who writes about Apple, and now for the Mac Observer as well. She's also written for City AM, London's Daily Business Tabloid, Computer Business Review, the Independent on Sunday, and CapEx. What is CapEx? I never asked you about that. So Cap, CapEx is just one of the, a number of online kind of economics and business and politics-focused type sites. So I've done a few things for them. Um, I've also been the media editor. Uh, I still am the media editor at the article. I've been doing that for a few months as well. So head over to thearticle.com to see my weekly media columns there. Cool. Cool. Speaking of media, that's the subject of today's podcast. I wanted to chat. Isn't it with always you. when we get left alone together, John? <laughs> I wanted to chat with you about media and the impact that this uh, COVID nineteen is having on the entertainment and yes. media industry, and it's a, it's a substantial one. I want to open with uh, an observation I had the other day when I was uh, looking at uh, my Apple TV, and I noticed that. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker is available early, but for sale and for $20. Now, what's happening here is background for the listeners, if you're not aware, is that the movie theaters are closing up or closed or shuttered down or just not active at all. And the studio's revenue from the movie theaters is drying up in the U.S. at least. And that has caused the studios to rethink their rollout strategy. And they are um, cooperating with uh, Apple and iTunes to deliver earlier than planned some of their theatrical movies. They're deferring other ones to later in the year when things clear up. And I noticed that the for sale price was 20 bucks, which is not unusual for a for sale movie. But it kind of just, and, and you know, if last time I went to a movie, the ticket price was eight or nine bucks. And so if you... A couple goes to a movie, you got an $18 fee. And Wait, so sorry. So for us in the UK, uh, the cinema can cost anywhere between, I guess, between 10 and £15, pounds, something like wow, that. it's expensive. I would expect that. It is. It's got very expensive. So yeah. what are we talking about in the US? Sounds a bit cheaper. Yeah, I've been, it's been a while since I've been in a movie theater, but I, if it, even if it's 10 bucks, you know, and the average is two people attending, that's $20 revenue, two seats. And so selling the movie for 20 bucks at first glance seems like a reasonable business proposition. But on the other hand, for people who are looking around for something to watch, it seems to me like that might be a better proposition to make it more available readily to rent for six bucks, and there might be more total revenue because people think, well, I don't really need to buy this movie, and there's so much to yeah. choose from. I'll just wander over to Netflix and see if I can't find a movie for free. I think there's a point there because, because also, if you're trying to make this the equivalent of going to the cinema for people when we can't do that at the moment, surely renting is more of the equivalent. Yeah, it's a one time view, that's all you get. Right, and then if people decide they want to buy it, well, you can maybe, you can obviously sell it to them if they want to keep it forever, maybe discount a little bit off from the from the rent price, whatever it is. But 
Is it, it surprises me that you say there's no rent option, I have to say. Well, it's deferred. I, I think um, the rental option showed up as something that would be happening in a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe earlier than planned. But still, when people are you know, at home and they're searching around, it's kind of an art and science, you know, figuring out what streaming channel you want to be on or network if you're on DirecTV or Dish or cable. So you're kind of munging around and you see something you want to watch and you think, oh, let's try this out. And there's no pain in trying it for a few minutes. And if it doesn't work out, just skip on to the next one. And then you bump into uh, the semi-blockbuster and you see 20 bucks and you go, you know, I just got laid off from my job. Money's tight. Um, I've got a subscription to Netflix I'm not going to cancel for now. And let's just watch something for free. So I, I think it's a little bit it seems to make perfect business sense in one sense, but psychologically, it just seems to me like if the movie studios want to get people engaged in watching theater shows at home through streaming, they should make it a little more palatable right away, you know, six or seven bucks to rent. That's just my Yeah, idea. I mean, that, yeah, no, that, that seems to be quite a sensible approach to me. It's interesting. We are seeing little bits of offers and other things from from some of the streaming services i just posted a thing on the macobserver.com how you can now watch picard uh for free with a there's a coupon code that you can get for cbs on access and it will give you 30 days free and unlock all the picard episodes cool which is kind of cool so these yeah these services are trying to do these kind of things um, Dis- yeah, we'll come on to Disney Plus later, actually, because I do want to talk to you about that because we just got it here in the UK yesterday. It makes you think that uh, even when the pandemic is over, that there's going to be a <laughs> When sea will it change. be over, John? Uh, who knows? Who knows? That there's going to be a sea change in the industry of streaming TV, I think, because it's going to be hard to get people back in the theaters right away. I mean, the, the, there's a Gaussian curve of the number of cases. And uh, when they, even when you're on the downside of the Gaussian curve, people are still contracting the virus. And in China, they yeah, had to go I'm, two weeks when there was no reported cases before they started going back to business as usual. And then when yeah, they do th- go back to business as usual, I wonder about how the movie theaters are going to be, how they're going to do in reattracting people. Are people going to flood back into movie theaters or are they going to go... You know, uh, I, I don't s- think they wipe that seat down right. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's going to be a, a fairly long period of time. This is, you know, this is slightly, uh, slightly off topic for us, but well, 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 it's just you and I, John. I think that there is going to be a period of time where people are still not totally confident mm-hmm. about going to, you know, cinemas, to maybe even sports grounds, to the theatre, to music. I think people aren't going to be cautious for a while across the entertainment industry as a whole. As you know, John, I'm a big soccer fan. I know. And it's been a, it's a, it's a big debate here about how do you, obviously like all your the sports in the USA, the, the soccer season has been stopped, it's been postponed. And there's a big debate here about how do you get that going? At what point do you, and do you allow fans in at that point? So, all these kind of entertainment industries are going to have to deal with the grapple with those issues, uh, and actually, given the 
it's inside it, there's very close proximity in movie theaters you know cinemas might might take longer actually than some other things and it's not just the coronavirus you have to worry about sitting in a movie theater next to somebody who's sneezing is going to annoy you to great end <laughs> whether you get the standard flu for which you had a flu shot or whether it's just a cold you know, could be something simple. Or they're going to eat popcorn in your ear. You know, all these things, John, you've got to worry about. Is this the end of the indoor movie theater? I doubt it. I doubt it, but I suspect it's going to take a long time for people to really head back. I think people still do like the big screen experience. I, I've always thought that. There are some films I'm very happy to watch at home. I, I have to confess, actually. This is, again, it's just you and I, so this is just my confession to you. And all those thousands of listeners, too. Oh, oh, well, then I won't confess then. No. My, my, my big cultural failing actually is films. I love reading. I love music. As you know, I'm a, I'm a newspaper and magazine junkie. I love all that stuff. TV. Um, I'm a, um, but my big cultural failing is films. I'm terrible at watching films. I don't know if it's because I have no attention span or whatever. So there's loads. Of, I mean, just for context, the, the evening before we're... We're recording this show. I have started watching the original Star Wars trilogy basically for the first time. Oh my! I know this That's is how bad I am. Oh. I know, I know. I hope it doesn't ruin our friendship. But th this, this is how bad I am at films. So I'm not the right person to. But I am the type of person. I won't probably watch a film sitting at my home, but I will. I do go to the cinema. You know, not as much as I should because there's loads of good stuff out but if I'm watching a film and there's a film I really want to see I'm prepared to make the the commit financial and time commitment to go watch it in the cinema and I think that does give you a good experience and I think that it, in, my point is I think it always will do the movie theaters in London have 20 minutes of trailers before the movie starts I mean at least I remember a few years ago maybe five or six years ago there was a senator who was trying to pass a law to force the movie theaters to publish the time when the movie starts rather than when the trailers start. It Who went, is this person and can he become president? <laughs> it went nowhere. And if, you get, and if you're late to a blockbuster, you may not get the seat you want, so they've kind of got you trapped. Sometimes I've had Wait, to put my hands over my ears because the sound is so loud in the trailers. Wait, you can't book seats in a movie theater? You can't reserve a seat? Yeah, you can. That's a thing now in the U.S., Right, I was going to say, I know you guys are backwards with some payment things, but that, come on. So are you old enough to remember outdoor drive-in movie theaters? Only from Greece. <laughs> what? Only from watching them in Greece. It's not, think about the oh, weather okay. here in the UK. It's not our thing. It's not a thing you can do here. I saw an article the other day that said that there may be a revival of the outdoor movie theaters. Instead of having a nice. tin speaker hanging on your window, you probably have an app. Or you tune, uh, tune your seven-speaker sound system in your car to an FM radio station and get the audio track for the movie. But nice. That's a nice... Isn't there a delay, though? It might happen. Although, yeah, the, it's the, not the real estate for outdoor movie theaters is probably not recoverable. And also, there's... Yeah, I mean, it can't happen in the UK. Our weather's too bad. Yeah, there's that much open uh, space in the cities anyway. We're not so bad for that. It's more that you really couldn't convince British people. Like, you couldn't trust the British weather to sit outside for a two-hour period at any given day. 
All right, next. I wonder if this pandemic is going to cause a sea change shift also to more animated and more CGI-based movies because getting people together in crowds, in groups, actors, technicians, yeah. key groups, you mentioned this to photographers. Me you know, you have a pretty close-knit organization of people crowded around the set and you have actors in proximity to each other and uh, I wonder if that's the movie studios are going to think, you know, maybe it's better if we start switching over to computer animation, more CGI, isolated um, scenes in front of green screen. I understand the logic, you're, like the logic of your argument. I'm not totally convinced. One, because if you're producing something CGI or animated, that still requires a lot of time in a very close room with other people. So I think it doesn't totally solve the problem that you're outlining. I also think, ultimately, there are some... First of all, there are some things that just don't work CGI'd. Some things, I think people just like the aesthetic, the kind of quote-unquote real-life aesthetic. I think... I don't think that will be the thing that changes in the entertainment industry as a result of all this. Do you think the industry will get back to absolute normal after the pandemic is gone and everything will be business as usual? I don't know what business like as usual will look like anymore. I don't <laughs> think in any, no, I'm serious. I think in the, in the industries we report on, technology and media and how they intersect, I think there's going to be a profound shift in those worlds i think when people start experimenting with different techniques more isolation more computer generated imagery and they discover economies of scale more efficiency they might implement some of these workflows into their future production design yeah i think you're slightly thinking at like a scientist not a creator if i may be so bold <laughs> no i think it's a different type of philosophy like Working that through logically, what you're saying makes sense. I suspect the instincts of the entertainment industry are different to that. Yeah, it's a very people-based industry. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think you're still going to have to have the in-person script read-throughs and the dress rehearsals and the this rehearsal and the technical I think you're all going to have still have all that stuff. You know, there was a time when... It appeared that computer technology was on the verge of being able to recreate a virtual actor that would be indistinguishable from the real human being. I mean, that I think that may have gotten outlawed. That sounds terrible. I know, but I mean, there may be a resurrection of that kind of motivation, where the actor signs a form and says, I give you permission to use my likeness in computer generation for this film for this period of time. Whoa. Well, whoa. yeah. Whoa. Well, look, we have seen, actually, ironically, in the Star Wars movies, haven't we? The resurrection of people who have sadly passed away. I think Princess Leia uh, scenes yes. were already in the can and they were. Yeah, but there was um, others as well. Some of those were in the can. Some, I think, were. And there's been other movies where they've recreated. Uh, isn't there one where Stan Lee? appears i think stanley has appeared in a film posthumously stanley's still with us though isn't he wait no who am i thinking of i don't mean stanley sorry i didn't want to shock everyone and bring 
to bring to the end life of Stanley. So far, there is yeah. someone. There's definitely been a couple of posthumous things that we've seen. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know how that's going to go, and I don't know how people are going to react to that. Maybe they'll be offended, or maybe they'll say, well, you know, it looks good to me, and it's indistinguishable from Sorry, the Sorry, John, I'm sorry, know. I'm going to have to interrupt you, because for once, and I'm going to really dine out on this, I am right and you are wrong. Go ahead. Stanley sadly died in November 2018. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm wrong and you're right. And I think in the last... One of the, I think it was either Black Panther or one of those, uh, or maybe even Avengers Inc. Ah, I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was Captain Marvel, and she's on a bus, and he's also on the bus, but he had sadly already passed away, and they have a little moment where you see him. Okay. Well, on that note, it's time for a short commercial break. Folks, I'm chatting with Charlotte Henry from the Mac Observer about the impact of the coronavirus on entertainment industry. We'll be back in 52 seconds after this word. Hello there, all you fabulous background mode listeners. I'm Kelly Gamont with the Mac Observer, and I just want to say a few words about how you can support all the things we do. If you're thinking about buying something from Apple, Amazon, or Mac Mall, just go to the Mac Observer's homepage where we have a section called Support TMO. Or you can just enter macobserver.com forward slash Apple Store, all one word, and that will take you to our special page for Apple and our other affiliates. If you make a purchase from one of our partners this way, the Mac Observer receives a small compensation for sending business their direction. Pretty cool, right? And you don't pay a penny more. This small fee from our affiliates helps us continue to bring you TMO's daily news, reviews, tips, how-tos, and podcasts like this one. So the next time you're thinking about an online purchase, come to TMO's homepage and support the Mac Observer. Thanks. Back to you, John. We're back. I'm chatting with the Mac Observer, Charlotte Henry. The next topic I wanted to actually ask you about is this business of throttling internet speeds mm. to accommodate people working at home. I was yeah, thinking about this. Very, I was thinking about no, this. No, it's the been other a very day. big issue in the UK. Yeah, in Europe as a whole. I think what's happening. I'm just a guess on my part, and it's just a sheer guess. Is is that businesses are not having as big a load uh, because people are not at their desks at work; they're working from home. But businesses have big quality of service QoS contracts, and so the ISP is committed to delivering a certain bandwidth to the office, even if the office is half full. And so the load switches to the home where quality of service is not guaranteed. And so ISPs have to jump through some hoops. I also read that there's some latent capacity that they have uh, that been sitting on and they can roll out. But And I've been testing my uh, internet speeds and it's been varying. It depends on time of day. Sometimes in the afternoon it's a little lower, but in the evening it's back to normal. I've seen it drop to about half of my normal speeds, but but not really very often. as much as that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, that, so that that sort of portends for you know that goes against what we were talking about before in the first segment about the joys of watching 4K movies at home. Absolutely, that are now being downgraded to HD and in some cases even standard definition. Right. So just to kind of lay out the whole as much of the picture as we know so far, YouTube says for is slashing quality and i think basically everything by default will now be standard definition for the next month wow disney plus arrived in the uk and other european countries uh with a you know streaming quality down 25 percent, streaming speeds down 25 percent. apple tv plus has throttled things amazon 
Prime Video has throttled things. Now, as I understand it, this is primarily a European issue. I don't know. Is the same happening in the US? I thought it was mostly a European issue. I agree issue. with you. I think it's mostly in Europe, but I think it's also in the US a little bit. I mean, it could be in the US that it's happening and no one's fixing it. That's it. That might be the different issue. Well, like I said, I have seen a decrease in my internet speeds from time to right. time. It's not very uniform. It's not very predictable. kind of depends on the, the load at the time. Uh, it's kind of depressing that you're going to stay home and watch these movies that are being rolled out earlier and then you can't watch them in 4K. It's uh, kind of annoying. But yeah, we I think with. we have to... I think we have to accept it's slightly extenuating circumstances yeah. right now. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is when this is all over, you know, I'm a baby boomer and my parents lived through World War II and there was a lot of stress that was rationing and there was you know, people being drafted into the military and going off to Europe to fight and there was a lot of stress in the economy at the same time. And, you know, it was a long period of time as a four-year war. When the war was over, there was this glorious time of movie making in the late 40s and early 50s where it was everything was just joyous. You know, there was a there was a there's a movie industry uh, industry that was fulfilling people's needs to feel good again and there were all these movies with Grace Kelly and Doris Day and Jimmy Stewart and Danny Kaye and Gene Kelly and John Wayne and Cary Grant. And there oh, were John, I can see you getting misty-eyed from here. And there were musicals, and there were fun movies, and there was, you know, people were having a good time, and it was happy. And it was helping people uh, recover. Mm -hmm. um, and then there came a time in the 60s and 70s during the Vietnam War when the movie industry kind of turned dark. And it's been mm. dark in some ways ever since. Do you think there's going to be a, a return to the happier movies when this coronavirus is over? And do you think... The studios are going to shy away from dreadful, you know, bloodlust, depressing, gory horror movies because people are probably not in the mood for that after this is over. What do you think? Yeah, so I, I'm very interested. I'm trying to I've had a look on a few different platforms are kind of the type of thing people are listening to. I wrote a story for the Mac Observer looking at kind of the changes in podcast listening, for example. Some of it is like relief. Apparently in Italy, listens to spiritual and religious podcasts have really shot up over the course of this pandemic. Mm. Um, I can talk from personal experience, say that while I'm kind of stuck in lockdown, the things I've been turning to are more comedy. And I think it'll be interesting. I think if you look through kind of Netflix and stuff. At the beginning, there was some quite funny suggestions. I think people were sharing screenshots of Netflix sharing things like the film Pandemic with them and so on. I wonder what the ratings uh, think, were for that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think there will be a need for escapism. I think there is now, and we're lucky that we have access to these kind of things where we can do that. But I, I, I also imagine quite strongly that there that people are doing that now and then that will continue. People will realise that they need, as sort of we return to the normal world, people will want still some light relief and a bit of uh, recovery. Yeah, my guess is that uh, the audience for the dreadful movies at this point in time is not great and that rolling them out like Pandemic and other movies like that is a misjudgment on the part of the streaming media services. W would you go and sit through... 
I personally, for the, I can't imagine envisioning over the next few months me ever wanting to sit through something like that at the moment. You kind of need... That's why it was quite nice, actually, to watch the original Star Wars movie, A New Hope, last night. It was like, yeah. it was a comfort blanket. It was C-3PO being camp and British. It was R2-D2 <laughs> waddling around and being lovely. And then you actually have to say, you genuinely realise quite how funny some of the lines in that film are. I hadn't really appreciated that, having not watched it properly. In deadpan kind of way. Yeah, very, like, and that's the kind of like, relief I think people want. My wife and I have been watching for romantic comedies on Netflix. They're fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a closet chick flick freak. I kind of like romantic movies. You are recording now while we're saying this, right? I know. This I'm, is giving going away out. The, the, I'm giving something away here to my listeners. Amazing. I like chick flicks. My wife and I enjoy them tremendously. Well, Nobody sure, should, the reason we Fa- enjoy them is because it's about... Favorite chick flick, John. Come on, let's get this done. I can't think of a name right offhand. Lies. I watched a movie the other night with Matthew McConaughey and Jennifer Garner called The oh my goodness. Ghost of Girlfriend's Past or something like that. And it was kind Amazing. of fun. Goodness. This is, this is not how I expected this conversation to go. <laughs> well, the nice thing about these movies is, is that they're full of good cheer, they're funny, and no one's shooting at each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah, you know? I totally agree. Yeah, I think people virtues. need... Uh, I yeah. totally agree with you. So we're coming to the close of the show, and I just have a few more minutes for a couple more select topics. One of them I've noticed is is that we're more into spontaneous production values. I've been watching Fallon doing handwritten posters from his kids and working out of his home and and yeah. doing some stuff that's really kind of lowbrow. And, you know, it's kind of hard to watch in some ways because it doesn't have a high production value. It can be a little bit tiring in some ways. I've seen a couple of backyards with Colbert. Mm. Uh, I wonder how long that can go on. Uh, you know. Yeah, I I think it can't go on that long. I think people are enjoying the novelty of it now. Yeah. Uh, we we reported a story. I reported a story on the Mac Observer that Conan O'Brien is doing his full show from his home via via his iPhone. Basically, mm. uh, Beats One Radio, the Apple Radio show, is also fully broadcasting from presenters' homes, as I understand it now. So. People are making these accommodations. We're lucky we live in an age of technology where we can make those accommodations. I think I, you know, I think once Jimmy Fallon returns to the studio, once Colbert returns to the studio, you'll realise quite how high quality the production values those things can produce are. I already are. do, yeah. yeah. But I also think, you know, the camera on an iPhone 11 Pro, we know is exceptional. You can ride out on that for a fair amount of time but i th- i think people are going to miss the real the real deal yeah yeah there's nothing like having a real live audience yeah i think yeah so i saw fallon reading uh, his script uh from his uh guest room the other night and uh when he reads his monologue and you get to the punchline and nobody laughs it's kind right. of awkward <laughs> yeah 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 there's all of that i mean there's there's kind of similar, not so quite highbrow, but like silly Saturday night TV shows here in the UK where there's been no audience and it's normally all about audience participation and a silly atmosphere amongst the crowd and, and all of that's gone. And look, you do lose it. Like, I think we're going to learn, I think in general, never mind just the entertainment industry, I think what we're going to learn is there were lots of things in our lives technology can replace i think 
lots of people who've previously been told they cannot work from home, uh, their bosses are going to have a lot harder time convincing them they can't work from home anymore. Right, right. But I also think because of that, we're also going to see, particularly in things like entertainment, the type of things that technology, however good it is, cannot replicate. Whether that is the noise of a live audience, whether it is the quality of a multi-camera setup in a studio, whatever it is, there's still going to be those things we miss and will want. Okay, so one more topic. Um, you wanted to talk to me about your first impressions of Disney+. Plus. Yeah. It's available now in the UK. Yes, it, it, it arrived the day before we were recording the show. That's what I watched Star Wars on last night. Look, I, look I'm impressed. I was always going to be. We've discussed this before in various other shows that the thing Disney Plus has is the ability to say we basically got everything you want. We have princesses, superheroes, Star Wars, children's animations. Like, it's a pretty complete bundle. We know that the back catalogue, like, there's not as much stuff on there as, say, Netflix, but I would say a far greater proportion of it is things you want to watch. Yeah, I want to watch Frozen 2 again. (laughs) Sorry, what is going on here? Jeff Gammon is no end of annoyed with me. He doesn't like Frozen. And so I was raving and ranting about Frozen when it first came out. I thought it was one of my favorite animated movies, and Jeff Gamet goes, and so, if Jeff, if you're listening to this, I love Frozen 2, and I'm going to watch it again. I cannot <laughs> believe I'm having this conversation where we've discussed chick flicks and Frozen 2. <laughs> How has this happened in my life? Well, anyway, you bring out the best in me, Charlotte. I'm flattered, but yeah, it's got all that stuff on it. This is the point. I also think the operating system and the UI is much better than Apple TV+. Plus. You can actually, you know, find what you want to watch on Disney+. Plus. Have you been through all of The Mandalorian? No, that's why I'm watching the original Star Wars first, so I can then watch The Mandalorian. Oh, oh by the right. way, they only released two episodes here originally in the UK. They're going to, I think, roll it out periodically so people don't just do a week's free trial and then watch all The Mandalorian and then leave. Yeah, I was talking to Brian Chaffin in the morning meeting about this binge-watching musical chairs, you know, when Netflix yeah. Netflix sets up its um, streaming app so that uh, it leads you into the next episode right away and you kind of nudges you towards binge-watching, but then when it becomes... By the way, you can turn that off. Andrew or our colleague wrote a fantastic write-up right, of right, if I that annoys you how to turn it off. I turned it off a long time ago, yeah. I don't like to be manipulated. I think I think binge watching is bad for your mental health. I I don't think it's a good idea, and and, and as you say, um, with um, with uh, Disney Plus, because it's so easy to subscribe and so easy to cancel, they're metering the Mandalorian so that people don't just you know subscribe and then binge watch Mandalorian and then leave. So it's kind of interesting to see how the different streaming services are handling binge watching sometimes i think it's great they encourage you to do it and sometimes they hold back it's not a clear picture yeah Yeah. apple obviously took again apple didn't was very unclear about both of it so some of the kind of flagship shows the morning show being the obvious example but there are a few others they did they released week by week didn't they yes they did over over about 10 11 roping me in (laughs) right Whereas some things were just kind of there. 
Yeah, like Dickinson was available. Dickinson, the whole the, thing was there. Out of the gate is a complete theories. Absolutely. So I think the whole of Snoopy in space was there for kids. Right. Kids, by which I mean me. And me. Um, yeah. All of that stuff was kind of, there was, so they balanced it, which was kind of an interesting approach. I guess they had to do that because they just have less to offer. Because it was all originals, they had to give the impression that there was some substance to it. Whereas if you're Disney and you put every Disney movie ever on your service, including for some things, two versions of them, you know, for example, there's two versions of The Lion King, the original version and the remake. You you don't need to do that so much. You can be strict to saying this original series we're controlling, but you've still got loads of other stuff to watch in the weeks in between. Did I talk to you on TDO or other podcast amongst many about Apple TV dying on the vine because it didn't have a back catalog? Did we talk about that? The yeah, other day? we've discussed this a couple of times. I think there's a point there, and we, well, we discussed it in the context actually of this pandemic and how actually. You know, the fact that suddenly that suddenly production on a number of shows, you know, I've reported on a number of them, including things like Foundation that was meant to be coming out, right. the second series of The Morning Show, all that stuff has just stopped happening. And already there's been a there's, already there's been an issue with uh, with Apple TV Plus. There were weeks where there was nothing new on it anyway. Which I think is a problem. Yeah, this can and this has Apple exacerbated it. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see how this affects Apple TV Plus as people drift through the early summer, kind of drifting away from no new content on Apple TV Plus, and how the industry starts manipulating and being creative and new strategies to entice people to watch. TV shows and movies at home because the theaters are closed and, uh, you know, competitive strategies and maybe some pricing changes and catalog changes and service changes. It's mm. going to be very vicious and competitive here in the next month. Yeah, so, I mean, just on my, to sort of return to, to the original question of my first impressions of Disney+, Plus, I downloaded it very easily straight onto my television. And interestingly, I cannot get an Apple TV Plus app on my television it's a samsung television but the disney plus one was there and it you know it works great the quality despite it coming in with a 25 percent throttling is pretty good is very good uh, i i wonder if the issue it will have and i might be being slightly unfair here is it's very movie based as opposed to series based and the thing that tends to keep people i think coming back to s- services is watching a series whether it's night after night, whether it's a binge over a couple of days, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think how many nights in a week, indeed a month, are you going to sit down and watch a Disney movie? By which I mean Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel. Like the, the, that, you know, at the moment where lots of people are at home, they might do really well. In hopefully not that long in the future, when you've suddenly got the issue of... You know, people don't have to spend so many hours watching TV. Hopefully people are out and about again. You you may have... There is a thing where you're thinking, how many nights am I going to sit down and watch a Disney movie? Okay, so there's some wonderful series from National Geographic on that. There, there is stuff to tempt you. But I'm, uh, I think that could be where it differs. I still... The truth is, I think Netflix has cornered the market. I think 
Peacock has a, will have a lot of good stuff, but won't be international. I think Disney Plus is very good at what it is. I think it's pretty good value for money. I think there's lots of people it is for. There's a big chunk of people it's also not for. Whereas things like Netflix, Amazon Prime Video are really for everyone. Netflix is almost and like I, a utility. Correct. You wouldn't, you wouldn't I think that's really subscribe and unsubscribe to Netflix wantonly. You know, it's sort of like you either have it or you don't. And if you have it, you keep it. Yeah. I think what I've written about and talked about a lot the kind of streaming overload, the service overload, where people have got fed up of how many bits of four ninety nine, six ninety nine, nine ninety nine are going out of their account every month. You know, often people have said it's kind of Netflix plus one. Maybe Netflix plus two. Well, just for the just a final note for the listeners: <clears throat> high definition requires about six megabits per second. Four uh, K requires about fifteen megabits per second. So a twenty five percent throttling off fifteen megabits is twelve megabits per second. So uh, you can take some hits and still maybe salvage a four K picture. Maybe it's not as bad as it sounds. So we'll have to see how that works out. Anyway, we're done. I want to thank you, Charlotte, for coming on the show with me and talking about all of these factors folding into our entertainment industry. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for exploring with me. It's always fun to chat to you, John. Speak soon. Folks, you've been listening to John Marcellaro and Charlotte Henry of the Mac Observer. This has been the Mac Observer's background mode. We'll see you again next week. Mm -hmm.